Our scripture reading this evening comes from the book of Joel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, 12 through 17. Listen now for God's word. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness spread upon the mountains, a great and powerful army comes. Their like has never been from of old, nor will be again after them in ages to come. Fire devours in front of them, and behind them a flame burns. Before them the land is like the Garden of Eden, but after them a desolate wilderness, and nothing escapes them. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts, not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relents from punishing. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the aged, gather the children, even infants at the breast, let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her canopy. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not make your heritage a mockery, a byword among the nations. Why should it be said among the peoples, where is their God? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our text uh, from Joel this evening has a lot of intensity in it. And we are our own kind of solemn assembly gathered here. And in this passage, what's actually happening is not a bunch of people pleading with God to forgive them because this natural disaster means that God is so angry with them. But instead, they're trying to make sense of this natural disaster and asking God for help. We understand disasters differently these days that God doesn't punish people through those things, but when they tried to make sense of that, that's part of what it means to be human. They gathered and they prayed and they tried to figure out what was going on. And so God asks them to rend their hearts and not their clothing. And that was an act of mourning, that there would be these very dramatic displays of grief you would rend your garments, you would pull them apart, you would dress in sackcloth and ashes to show your penitence, that your desire to be made right in the eyes of God, to do the right thing, to start over. But God says, rend your hearts, not your clothing. So what, what does that mean, as per usual? God is using a strange analogy there to tear one's heart in two. And I think part of what God is getting at there is that God doesn't want us to be going through the motions of expressing truth, of telling the truth about who we are, about what we have done and left undone, 
about our grief and our pain. God wants the real us. God wants us to tell the truth. And there's something about a broken heart that makes that easier. When our life breaks our heart, when the world around us breaks our heart, we lose the capacity for any politeness or filter. We are are more real and raw and honest. Now, why this text and why Ash Wednesday? Ash Wednesday is designed to bluntly remind us of our mortality, that we are not going to live in these bodies in this time and space forever and ever, amen, that there's a different thing happening. And part of what's so interesting to me about Ash Wednesday, we've had several people throughout the day today ask, is there a service tonight? Can I get ashes tonight? I don't happen to see them here with us, which is just how life goes sometimes. But there is something where, like, and there, there were folks that I've never seen before, and I might not see again. And there's something about Ash Wednesday. You see people who are getting ashes to go. They don't ever go to worship. It's not a, a super uh, strong rhythm in their life, but there's something about this day that pulls people, and they want to participate. They want to have these ashes on their head or their hand. They want someone to say to them, from dust you have come to dust you will return. They want that fairly safe touch from someone who's blessing them that echoes the blessing that we do in baptism. And I wonder, I started wondering why that was, because you'd think people would be excited to come at like Easter or Christmas time or some other kind of happy day. And they do, but for different reasons, I think. Because I think most of the time we can fool ourselves into thinking that we can do all the things that we want to do. But there is some relief and freedom in admitting our limitations, that there is just one life. Mary Oliver has a famous poem called A Summer Day. And she uh, talks about observing the grasshopper and lying in the grass. And so many people take this last line, tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? And they kind of infuse into it all of this pressure to do all the things in your one little life. You've only got one, so you better do all the things, right? Because she says, doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? But what she's referring to, she says earlier in the poem, I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I have been doing all day. And tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? We fool ourselves into thinking that we have all of this time and that we can 
start over, over and over and over again, which we can in a way, but we don't have all this time. There is one life, there is one body, there is one span of time. And while if we try and cram everything into that, we go astray, when we acknowledge the limitations of that and admit that making one choice means that we're not making all these other choices, one yes is a thousand other no's, there is freedom there. Lent is about preparing ourselves to, as we say in the Godly Play curriculum, to enter into the mystery that is Easter, to come close to the mystery of Easter. Lent is about being honest with God, coming close to God, trying to understand Easter in some capacity, which is really about grace and that you can't earn it. And that brings us back to this Joel text and to Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is about acknowledging that we will die, that life is short, that we don't have time to waste, and that also means it's never too late. And on Ash Wednesday, when we acknowledge that truth, it helps us to walk into Lent and be honest with God about where we are, where we've been, where we want to go, And when God asks us to rend our heart and not our clothing, as we walk through Lent and we learn how to receive grace without trying to earn it all the time, that's part of what God is talking about. Don't go through the motions. Don't add 40 things to your Lent to-do list tomorrow. There's a joke about uh, the actor Mark Wahlberg was interviewed uh, on TV, and it says uh, Mark Wahlberg's 40-day challenge as the subheading. He's got the cross on his head. As if it was like a January workout scheme. Like, it's just ridiculous to be like, oh, okay, it's our 40-day challenge. It is challenging season, but it's not this thing that you're supposed to, like, wrestle yourself into, It's a season to draw near to the mystery that is grace, that is Easter. And so as we think about how to do that, I always want to encourage folks that there are plenty of ways to practice that, to draw close, to practice one's faith. But this isn't just adding a bunch of things to your list. It is being honest about the things that break your heart and trusting God to come into that and bring you wholeness and healing. This is actually good news, even though we're talking a lot about death tonight. That there is freedom in those limitations, that there is time to start over, and that it's not too late, and that God is with us in the midst of all of this. Return to me, God says. Rend your heart. Let it crack open and let me hold the broken pieces with you. Be real with me. Be honest with me. And I will show you grace. And this is a gift. Thanks be to God.